The Age of Chivalry, Chapter Thirteen, from Bullfinch's The Age of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Age of Chivalry by Thomas Bullfinch, Chapter Thirteen, Taliesin. Gwythno Garan here was sovereign of Gwaelod, a territory bordering on the sea, and he possessed a weir upon the strand between Dovey and Aberystwyth, near to his own castle, and the value of a hundred pounds was taken in that weir every May Eve. And Gwythno had an only son named Elfin, the most hapless of youths, and the most needy, and it grieved his father sore, for he thought that he was born in an evil hour. By the advice of his counsel, his father had granted him the drawing of the weir that year, to see if good luck would ever befall him, and to give him something wherewith to begin the world, and this was on the twenty-ninth of April. The next day, when Elfin went to look, there was nothing in the weir but a leathern bag upon a pole of the weir. Then said the weir-ward unto Elfin, All thy ill-luck aforetime was nothing to this, and now thou hast destroyed the virtues of the weir, which always yielded the value of a hundred pounds every May Eve, and to-night there is nothing but this leathern skin within it. How now, said Elfin, there may be therein the value of a hundred pounds. Well, they took up the leathern bag, and he who opened it saw the forehead of an infant, the fairest that ever was seen, and he said, Behold a radiant brow, in the Welsh language, Taliesin. Taliesin be he called, said Elfin, and he lifted the bag in his arms, and lamenting his bad luck, placed the boy sorrowfully behind him, and he made his horse amble gently, that before had been trotting, and he carried him as softly as if he had been sitting in the easiest chair in the world. And presently the boy made a consolation and praise to Elfin, and the consolation was as you may here see. Fair Elfin, cease to lament, never in Gwythno's weir was there such good luck as this night. Being sad will not avail, better to trust in God than to forebode ill. Weak and small as I am, on the foaming beach of the ocean, in this day of trouble I shall be of more service to thee than three hundred salmon. This was the first poem that Taliesin ever sung, being to console Elfin in his grief, for that the produce of the weir was lost, and, what was worse, that all the world would consider that it was through his fault and ill luck. Then Elfin asked him what he was, whether man or spirit, and he sung thus, I have been formed a comely person, although I am but little, I am highly gifted. Into a dark leathern bag I was thrown, and on a boundless sea I was sent adrift. From seas and from mountains, God brings wealth to the fortunate man. Then came Elfin to the house of Gwythno, his father, and Taliesin with him. Gwythno asked him if he had had a good haul at the weir, and he told him that he had got that which was better than fish. What was that? said Gwythno. A bard, said Elfin. Then said Gwythno, Alas, what will he profit thee? And Taliesin himself replied and said, he will profit him more than the weir ever profited thee. Asked Gwythno, Art thou able to speak, and thou so little? 
and Taliesin answered him, I am better able to speak than thou to question me. Let me hear what thou canst say, quoth Gwisno. Then Taliesin sang. Three times have I been born. I know by meditation all the sciences of the world are collected in my breast, for I know what has been and what hereafter will occur. Elfin gave his hall to his wife, and she nursed him tenderly and lovingly. Thenceforward Elfin increased in riches more and more, day after day, and in love and favour with the king, and there abode Taliesin until he was thirteen years old, when Elfin, son of Gwyddno, went by a Christmas invitation to his uncle, Mylgan Gwynedd, who held open court at Christmas-tide in the castle of de Ganwy, for all the number of his lords of both degrees, both spiritual and temporal, with a vast and thronged host of knights and squires. And one arose and said, Is there in the whole world a king so great as Mylgan, or one on whom heaven has bestowed so many gifts as upon him, form and beauty, and meekness and strength, besides all the powers of the soul? And together with these they said that heaven had given one gift that exceeded all the others, that which was the beauty and grace and wisdom and modesty of his queen, whose virtues surpassed those of all the ladies and noble maidens throughout the whole kingdom. And with this they put questions to one another. Who had braver men? Who had fairer or swifter horses or greyhounds? Who had more skilful or wiser bards than Mylgan? When they had made an end of their praising the king and his gifts, it befell that Elfin spoke on this wise. Of a truth, none but a king may vie with a king. But, were he not a king, I would say that my wife was as virtuous as any lady in the kingdom, and also that I have a bard who is more skilful than all the king's bards. In a short space some of his fellows told the king all the boastings of Elfin, and the king ordered him to be thrown into a strong prison, until he might show the truth as to the virtues of his wife, and the wisdom of his bard. Now when Elfin had been put in the tower of the castle, with a thick chain about his feet, it is said that it was a silver chain because he was of royal blood, the king, as the story relates, sent his son Hryn to inquire into the demeanour of Elfin's wife. Now Hryn was the most graceless man in the world, and there was neither wife nor maiden with whom he held converse, but was evil spoken of. While Hryn went in haste towards Elfin's dwelling, being fully minded to bring disgrace upon his wife, Taliesin told his mistress how that the king had placed his master in durance in prison and how that Hryn was coming in haste to strive to bring disgrace upon her. Wherefore he caused his mistress to array one of the maids of her kitchen in her apparel, which the noble lady gladly did, and she loaded her hands with the best rings that she and her husband possessed. In this guise Taliesin caused his mistress to put the maiden to sit at the board in her room at supper, and he made her to seem as her mistress, and the mistress to seem as the maid. And when they were in due time seated at their supper, in the manner that has been said, Hryn arrived suddenly at Elfin's dwelling, and was received with joy, for the servants knew him, and they brought him to the room of their mistress, in the semblance of whom the maid rose up from the supper, and welcomed him gladly. And afterwards she sat down to supper again, and Hryn with her. 
Then Hrian began jesting with the maid, who still kept the semblance of her mistress, and verily this story shows that the maiden became so intoxicated that she fell asleep, and the story relates that it was a powder that Hrian put into the drink that made her sleep so soundly that she never felt it when he cut off from her hand her little finger, whereon was the signet ring of Elfin, which he had sent to his wife as a token a short time before. And Hrian returned to the king with the finger and the ring as a proof to show that he had cut it from her hand without her awakening from her sleep of intemperance. The king rejoiced greatly at these tidings, and he sent for his counsellors, to whom he told the whole story from the beginning, and he caused Elfin to be brought out of prison, and he chided him because of his boast. And he spake on thus wise, Elfin, be it known to thee beyond a doubt, that it is but folly for a man to trust in the virtues of his wife further than he can see her, and that thou mayst be certain of thy wife's vileness, behold her finger with thy signet-ring upon it, which was cut from her hand last night, while she slept the sleep of intoxication. Then thus spake Elfin, With thy leave, mighty king, I cannot deny my ring, for it is known of many, but verily I assert that the finger around which it is was never attached to the hand of my wife, for in truth and certainty there are three notable things pertaining to it, none of which ever belong to any of my wife's fingers. The first of the three is that it is certainly known to me that this ring would never remain upon her thumb, whereas you can plainly see that it is hard to draw over the joint of the little finger of the hand whence this was cut. The second thing is that my wife has never let pass one Saturday since I have known her without paring her nails before going to bed, and you can see fully that the nail of this little finger has not been pared for a month. The third is, truly, that the hand whence this finger came was kneading rido within three days before the finger was cut therefrom, and I can assure your highness that my wife has never kneaded rido since my wife she has been. The king was mightily wroth with Elfin, for so stoutly withstanding him, respecting the goodness of his wife, wherefore he ordered him to his prison a second time, saying that he should not be loosed thence until he had proved the truth of his boast, as well concerning the wisdom of his bard as the virtues of his wife. In the meantime his wife and Taliesin remained joyful at Elfin's dwelling, and Taliesin showed his mistress how the Telfin was in prison because of them, but he bade her be glad, for that he would go to Mylgan's court to free his master. So he took leave of his mistress, and came to the court of Mylgan, who was going to sit in the hall and dine in his royal state, as was the custom in those days for kings and princes to do at every chief feast. As soon as Taliesin entered the hall, he placed himself in a quiet corner, near the place where the bards and the minstrels were wont to come, in doing their service and duty to the king, as is the custom at the high festivals, when the bounty is proclaimed. So when the bards and the heralds came to cry largess, and to proclaim the power of the king and his strength, at the moment where they passed by the corner wherein he was crouching, Taliesin pouted out his lips after them, and played blerum blerum with his finger upon his lips. Neither took they much notice of him as they went by, but proceeded forward till they came before the king, 
unto whom they made their obeisance with their bodies, as they were wont, without speaking a single word, but pouting out their lips and making mouths at the king, playing blerum blerum upon their lips with their forefingers, as they had seen the boy do. This sight caused the king to wonder, and to deem within himself that they were drunk with many liquors. Wherefore he commanded one of his lords who served at the board to go to them, and desire them to collect their wits, and to consider where they stood, and what it was fitting for them to do. And this lord did so gladly, but they ceased not from their folly any more than before. Whereupon he sent to them a second time, and a third, desiring them to go forth from the hall. At the last the king ordered one of his squires to give a blow to the chief of them, named Hanin Varth, and the squire took a broom, and struck him on the head so that he fell back in his seat. Then he arose, and went on his knees, and besought leave of the king's grace, to show that this their fault was not through want of knowledge, neither through drunkenness, but by the influence of some spirit that was in the hall. And he spoke on this wise, O honourable king, be it known to your grace, that not from the strength of drink, or of too much liquor, are we dumb, but through the influence of a spirit that sits in yonder corner, in the form of a child. Forthwith the king commanded the squire to fetch him, and he went to the nook where Taliesin sat, and brought him before the king, who asked him what he was, and whence he came. And he answered the king in verse, Primary chief bard am I to Elfin, and my native country is the region of the summer stars. I have been in Asia with Noah in the ark. I have seen the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I was in India when Rome was built. I have now come here to the remnant of Troia. When the king and his nobles had heard the song, they wondered much, for they had never heard the like from a boy so young as he. And when the king knew that he was the bard of Elfin, he bade Hanin, his first and wisest bard, to answer Taliesin, and to strive with him. But when he came he could do no other than play blerum on his lips, and when he sent for the others of the four-and-twenty bards, they all did likewise, and could do no other. And Milgan asked the boy Taliesin what was his errand, and he answered him in song. Elfin, the son of Gwydno, is in the land of Artro, secured by thirteen locks, for praising his instructor. Therefore I, Taliesin, chief of the bards of the west, will loosen Elfin out of a golden fetter. Then he sang to them a riddle. Discover thou what is the strong creature from before the flood, without flesh, without bone, without vein, without blood, without head, without feet. It will neither be older nor younger than at the beginning. Behold how the sea whitens when first it comes, when it comes from the south, when it strikes on coasts. It is in the field, it is in the wood, but the eye cannot perceive it. One being has prepared it, by a tremendous blast, to wreak vengeance on Milgan Gwynedd. While he was thus singing his verse, there arose a mighty storm of wind, so that the king and all his nobles thought that the castle would fall upon their heads. And the king caused them to fetch Elfin in haste from his dungeon, and placed him before Taliesin. And it is said that immediately he sung a verse, so that the chains opened from about his feet. 
After that Taliesin brought Elfin's wife before them, and showed that she had not one finger wanting, and in this manner did he set his master free from prison, and protect the innocence of his mistress, and silence the bards, so that not one of them dared to say a word. Right glad was Elfin, right glad was Taliesin. End of chapter 13